0: Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's show. Today, I am going to be doing a classic good old Q&A episode with you. I am so excited to do this. This is one of my favorite types of episodes to record for you. But along the way, we also have some interviews and guest episodes coming up. So there's going to be a nice little healthy mix of things for you. As I record this, it is a Friday midday. It's so cozy and quiet outside. There's a little bit of rain. It kind of feels a little gloomy, definitely not very summery weather at all, but it's kind of cozy and wonderful. And then tomorrow I head off to Lisbon for the weekend, which will be fun. My mind was thinking of Mallorca or Ibiza to go check out, but my inner voice picked Lisbon so I was like okay my inner voice said why not have homes around the world if you're not going to use them so why not go to the place you feel so cozy and at home in as well so gonna have a few quick days there see some friends and just get some sunshine as the rain's coming to London over the weekend as the flow has it and just still awaiting my visa process to continue for the UK so in the meantime going to have a few days of sunshine and then I'll be back here in London. Along the way, we have two weeks before the start of our sacred month for the self. Sacred month for the self is our new IVFT without the facilitator part. So inner voice facilitator training you may have heard of, or you might be an IVFT guide yourself. This sacred month for the self is going to be a month long or five weeks total from July 31st through the end of August. It's going to happen really, yeah, obviously through the month of August, but Sacred Month for the Self is all about how to help people that may not be IVFT-ready go deeper into themselves. Now, when I say IVFT-ready, some people may go on to do IVFT after Sacred Month for the Self, and there are some graduates of IVFT that also want to join us for Sacred Month of the Self. So just know that this is a loose term being for those that haven't done or aren't looking to do IVFT. Some will go on to do it and some already will have had done it. But this is going to be a deep, deep dive giving the best of IVFT and why it's so life-changing for those that do the training themselves, but without the facilitator part. So if you are wanting to go deeper into yourself and really take the time in this summer type of time frame, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, to go deep within yourself, or I guess in the Southern Hemisphere, yeah, in the winter to go deep within yourself, if that's something you're looking to do, we're so excited to work with you. We're going to have Cabins. We're calling this a little spiritual summer camp. I'm calling it a cloud camp now because it's technically not in person. It's in the clouds, it's in the digital space that we all live and co create in. So each group. We're going to have small groups just like we have for IVFT. Each IVFT group has a squad of four members in the spiritual summer camp or sacred month for the self. There will be eight cabin mates and there'll be camp counselors, which are IVFT grads assigned to those cabin mates of each cabin, and they'll be doing their own small group sessions every week of the month alongside me. So every week for those that join us, you'll have a call with me on the Mondays and then you'll have a cabin call with your cabin mates and your camp counselor On those same weeks as well. So there'll be 10 total calls and then there's like something like 15 different free optional workshops or field trips as we're calling them that are hosted by IVFT grads as well. So there's a lot of content for you to dive into. You can take as much or as little of it as you have time for in the actual month of August. Everything's going to be recorded so you can actually go back and dive in at your leisure afterwards as well. Okay, so that's happening. If you wanna join us and it feels like a fit, you can go over to bellalively.com slash month, and you can sign up and join us there. People are already joining, which is so great. And the sooner you join, the sooner we could place you in a time zone of you know the camp cabin thing they're all gonna be based on time zones that are best for the groups. So joining sooner than later helps us put you in your most optimal time zone. So anyways, let's dive into the Q&A now and we're gonna start with Emily Hardy Photography who said, thoughts on using inner voice to create your outer body. I've done the evergreen and body class probably three times. I still spiral. My body is clearly holding on to more weight than feels aligned. Will it just keep gaining until I'm happy with it? I feel like so many things are going on in my life right now that our stress is coming out in belly rolls. Well, that's interesting, right? To have the feeling like the stress is coming out in belly rolls is interesting that you think that, that the fact that your mind has an association to that is a potential true thing, that it might actually be doing that. For myself, I think after all my nine years of eating issues and drama, drama, drama on that subject for my earlier part of my life, I can say I had so many constricting and restricting mental beliefs on the subject of food that I think my body was always in a terrified state that I was going to put it into more chaos and, Starve it even more or binge it even more. So I think my body was definitely like, "What is she going to do? What is she? <laughs> We've got to hold on to this stuff. So in case she does that whole starvation thing, she keeps thinking about, um, we have something to hold on to. So it's interesting that you feel like your stress is coming out in ball rolls because that energy dynamic. May not be untrue is basically what I'm saying. Um, if you have this set of kind of twisted energy around the subject and it's not flowing naturally and smoothly, basically, basically naturally and smoothly with food should be a 10 out of 10 enjoyment level, no restriction, but also no out of balance eating. And like I said, I was totally out of balance for nine years, half on the under eating side, half on the overeating side. So I certainly know the situation all too well, half a decade on both sides. But Yeah. Natural eating is not any of that. Natural eating is eating what's aligned in that now moment every moment in now time. So it's not about like accumulating a deficit or accumulating a surplus because it's just about what's right right now and right right now and right right now. And that can look like super healthy food or it can look like a really delicious indulgent meal or whatever. And it's not about saying one is right and one is wrong, that healthy is right and unhealthy is wrong. It's just about what is the most aligned choice in that now moment, all things considered, but from a more natural place, it's not your mind trying to level up inside of itself in some way that's dramatic. So I have a lot of compassion to this, but thoughts on using the inner voice to create your outer body. I would say I use my intuition. I didn't even really have the inner voicing element of myself very firmly intact yet. I hadn't developed that skill set of inner voicing when I was going through my own mental unraveling to the, the food stuff. So personally, I didn't use my inner voice with words the way that we do in IVFT and can do. I was just using intuition in terms of what the body satisfaction felt. And that was actually huge for me to actually learn, do I know? And so I would say for Emily, do you know what satisfaction feels like in your body when it comes to food? Do you even know? And really assess that. Don't just say, yes, of course I do. Have you been experiencing that level of satisfaction? That's like, this is the optimal amount. This is like the Goldilocks, not too little, not too much. Do you know what that feels like in the body? If you do... I didn't after nine years, by the way. I didn't even know what satisfaction was. I had to actually reteach myself how to feel what satisfaction felt like. After nine years under and overeating, I hadn't ever had satisfaction level eating for nine years. So I had to relearn what to satisfaction in the body without the mind getting in the way even feel like. So I would actually really focus on that sense of satisfaction and optimalness. Like this is like the last perfect bite to eat. Can you, and it's not about being pedantic and like obsessive and like, this is the one last and maybe I went two bites over. It's not about being measuring it in that kind of, Stupid way. It's just about recognizing what feels good. Like, this is like the right moment to stop. This is the right moment to get off the wave when you're surfing. This is the right moment to wake up when your body's waking up. Can you sense that feeling of when it's time? Or can you feel the sense of like when it's the perfect time to go to bed? When you know you have, or it's the time to go to the bathroom. There's these urges that we notice and adapt to our whole lives, but do you know the one about food? Do you know that feeling of when it's time to stop eating food or when it's time to start eating food from the body's natural rhythms? If you do, and you can start to tune into that, That's going to be huge. You can use your inner voice because now obviously we have way more tools available to us with the inner voice than I even knew of at the time I was going through this. So you could also ask your inner voice, inner voice, what should I eat? Inner voice, what would you like to eat? Inner voice, when would you like to eat? Is it time to eat now? Is it time to stop eating now? You can use your inner voice to ask for guidance, inner voice. I even yesterday, it's so funny as you point this out in the question, I order through my intuition at restaurants 99.9% of the time. However, yesterday I was out with a friend at dinner and looked at the menu, my intuition's uh, it's almost like it's sampled the entire menu and then my eye will fall on the thing that my inner voice wants me to eat. And I can sense this little urge, just like it's time to go to the bathroom, or it's time to go to sleep, or it's time to wake up. Those little urges, you know, those kind of knowingnesses that happen in yourself. I had this knowingness my eye landed on, and it, we were at an Italian restaurant, so it landed on the shrimp and prawn kind of risotto. That's what my inner voice chose to eat instead of the 99.9% of the time where that's just what I eat and I don't even overthink it. I actually have this little obsession with cacio e pepe and carbonara. These are two new Italian dishes to me in the recent years I've discovered. And so I was like, actually, no, I don't want to eat the shrimp risotto inner voice. I want to see if they have cacio e pepe or... um, the other one, the carbonara, and they didn't make them, even though it's an Italian restaurant. So out of my disappointment for it, I went for what felt like the closest to caccia pepe, which was a pasta with a butter truffle sauce instead. And I I love truffle. And I was like, you know what, this is going to be the closest. And I was like, bring a bunch of pepper on the side. I'll pretend it's uh, (laughs) caccia pepe. But it didn't even have any cheese on it. It was really just butter sauce with a bunch of truffle on top. Was it delicious? Yes. But I actually, looking back on it now, realize I didn't actually get a 10 out of 10, which would have been cacio e pepe. I got like an 7.8 out of 10 by getting the truffle pasta instead. I actually think the 10 out of 10 of the menu that was there would have been the shrimp and risotto pasta because I love prawns and I love the risotto. And that's always a classic thing. It's very light body loves it. You know, that would have actually been the thing. The butter stuff was a bit heavier. I think my body would have enjoyed cheese sauce more than the butter sauce. So looking back on it, I know that my mind was like compromising to get its fix of cacio e pepe without having it. And my intuition was right. Yet again, intuition with the win, but I didn't follow it. And that of the time, which is fine, but it just goes to show that when you do use your inner voice for food, your needs are met. Even if the restaurant doesn't have the dish you want, it will know what dish is the best dish for you beyond the dish that you actually want that's not on the list. So Yeah, lots of compassion, but yes, use your inner voice. Ask, ask, ask for anything that you need, but ultimately the real win will be to get to the point where you don't have to ask. You have that feelingness inside of you, that it feels like it's time to eat. It feels like it's time to stop eating. It feels like the body wants X. It feels like the body wants Y. The inner voice is like kind of ordering this. Those are the natural things. You don't have to use inner voice every single time. I don't ask my inner voice what to eat today. I can feel naturally because I'm not in the mind interfering with what my body naturally wants. So now the the urges are normal, normalized. Now we have Amy Johnson photo who said, yes, you work a lot with law of attraction. Have you delved much into the law of assumption or other universal spiritual laws? I would guess no, because I don't know what the law of assumption is. So I could make an assumption about what the law of assumption is, but that's just an assumption. So I don't even know if that's true. (laughs) So no, I actually don't know other spiritual laws, including the law of assumption. I've not studied them, at least as such. I know there's law of karma, like you could say karma might be the law of cause and effect um, to some degree. But yeah, law of attraction is definitely the one that I studied the most. Now we have an anonymous person who suggested the question. I'm not sure if this is too personal, but my question is, how did you deal with any fears related to living in another country and working? I moved to New York City a year and a half ago from Canada. You are one of my inspirations for this, but I have been worrying and stressing about working. I created a business and incorporated it here to get a business visa and did not get it. I'm now thinking of incorporating it in Canada instead while living in New York. I did this so I get to live somewhere I love, but I don't understand why I'm coming across these options obstacles. Okay. So I guess there's kind of two things here. One is you're sharing your story, which sounds like there are obstacles. And then your actual question mark question was, how did you deal with any fears related to living and working in another country? So as far as how did I personally deal with any fears related to living in another country and working, I obviously just went through the process of seeing if I could get a visa in the countries I've wanted to live in. So when it came to Australia, I never found a way (laughs) to get a visa to Australia, hence why I've never been in Australia living there on a full-time visa yet. There was lots of fears, but mostly just because my visa agent at the earlier years ago time stole my money basically and did a terrible job and didn't do the process correct at all or inform me properly at all. So there's a lot of fears related to the actual guy that I worked with more than the actual system itself. I wasn't afraid, I guess. I was just going through the process, but in very, very... Um, uncapable hands. So the fear related more in who I was working with than the actual system, I, would, I it's very simple. You either have a way to stay and do the work or not. So um, there was no actual fear about Australia other than the way that the drama unfolded with the, the agent that I was working with to doing it and misinforming me at a lot of different points in the journey. Um, but otherwise, after that guy I was over in Portugal and then recently in the winter in Australia, which was somewhere down there, and also here in the UK, I just go forward and see, are there options that work for me in my situation? So there's nothing really to do with fears. I mean, I might be like, ooh, will I be able to? I won't be able to but I don't really have anything more to it than that personally, so I can't really answer maybe the fear that you might be feeling. As far as the fact that you personally had an experience where you created the business and then didn't get the visa, I would talk to your inner voice a lot and release any beanbags that come up ahead of time because there might be a lot of emotion on the subject already because there's a lot of fears probably, but ask, getting out of the beanbags, (laughs) getting those out of the way first, then ask your inner voice, inner voice, do you want me in the US right now? Yes or no? Why or why not? Uh, What happened about the visa and the business? Why didn't that work out? Inner voice, do you want me to use it in Canada instead and stay in New York? Inner voice, am I not supposed to be in New York right now? Do you want me to be somewhere else right now? What would you like me to do right now, inner voice? Just ask a lot more questions to inner voice about what's happening and release the beanbags on top of the situation as it currently stands so that you're not being blocked by the emotions getting in the way of the clarity underneath those emotions. All right, now we have Felicity. And by the way, I want to say to that other question, every place is not wrong or right. It's about those places being the right place for the right now moment. So right now, New York might be correct for you, and then it might be Canada, and then it might be Portugal, and then it might be somewhere else, and then it might be New York again. It doesn't mean that New York always has to be right or is never right. I've Wanted to move to Lisbon alone in 2016 into 2017, then let it go, then actually live there easily, naturally, and fully in 2020 to 21 and to 22, I left. And I've thought three times about moving to London. This is the first time that seems to be going more, you know, right, because the other two times I wasn't in the flow of my inner alignment to living here, even though I would think about it my inner voice would redirect me to Portugal or to Detroit or somewhere else. And so Detroit wasn't right forever, and it wasn't wrong forever. It was right for the time it was right. Australia, I've been many times, never got the full visa, but spent many, a lot of time there overall, though. I would say six months a year for three years, and then three months last year. So it definitely feels like a, a beautiful space that I can call loosely home, even though I've never had a permanent visa there. I do have a deep connection to the country, to living there, to the Places that I go there and the people that I love there. So it's uh, same now. The feelings are true to Portugal, which I got to live in longer as well. So I don't know. I just say that just trust that like you're just about finding the right place for the right now moment and then flowing as you need to. Some inner voices will plant people in the same place for a very, very long time. And some of them become more nomadically gypsy-like a little bit. Whether the minds want to or not is up to, you know, discretion. My mind never wanted to be as gypsy-like as I've been, but I've been following my inner voice. So That And also the visa stuff not working out kind of like makes it even if my mind wants to go against my inner voice, the visa stuff has stopped it from getting to override my inner voice and stay in one place my inner voice wouldn't want me to be for very long. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just have to say I've really, really realized like London was not the right place in the earlier times that I thought about moving here but let's see how this goes. And Australia obviously was beautiful, but I was meant to have the experience I had in Portugal, my inner voice said. So anything before Portugal was never going to stay lasting, my inner voice said, because it was meant for me to go to Portugal and have that experience. Now it's much more open and free flowing in terms of where I go, but I was gonna kind of mentally, whatever my mind wanted to do, was gonna kind of feel a little bit blocked until Portugal happened because it was meant to. It was a designed experience or a desired experience with my soul to have. And I'm so glad I had it now that I got to that. But I didn't know that Portugal wasn't, you know, 2016 wasn't the right time for Portugal. 2020 was the right time for Portugal. So those four years was just about being somewhere else until it was the right time to be in Portugal. And I can tell you for sure, I wouldn't have wanted to just sit looking back on what I did between 2016 and 2020. I would never want to have sat and just being in Portugal from 2016 to 2020. I think I would have been really bored in that period versus the experiences that were so rich and so beautiful in so many other places in the world. And then when it was time to be in Portugal, I was in a more living sense. And then when it was time to leave Portugal, I left. And now I'm here for who knows how long. And now I've just kind of realized it's not always right. It's just what's right right now. And when it's not right anymore, it's not right anymore. And so you just have to go find the new right for the now moment. Okay. Now we have Felicity A. Ryan who says, you recently talked about releasing beanbags on certain parts of the body that you don't quote unquote like. Can you talk about how you do that if you're not feeling something there? Like the belly, usually a beanbag feels like a lump and I can name it size, but how would you release a beanbag that's not a similar feeling in that area? Well, I would say this, your beanbags for the spots in your body, this came up in the Becoming Bella episode. So if you're curious and hear more about it, that's the episode where I talked about this. The essence of what I shared that she's speaking to was that I realize that one of the things when it comes to your body body image or aging can kind of kind of go in that category depending on how your mind's adjusting to aging. Um, looking in the mirror, your mind can have judgments and assumptions, preferences and reactions and emotions to things it sees in the mirror, can like or dislike things. And so when it comes to the disliking of things, I shared about how my butt was something when years ago I didn't like looking at and I kind of ignored and pretended wasn't there in a way. And again, more details in the Becoming Bella episode But I eventually realized that you could just stare in the mirror and whatever you're having an emotional reaction to in the mirror, was whether it's crow's feet, fine lines, whether it's your cellulite, whether it's your belly, whatever it is, I don't care, your your toes, your eyeballs, whatever your mind might have a reaction to in your physical form, you can beanbag the dislike of those parts of your body. Does that make sense? So your eyes are your eyes, your toes are your toes, your butt is your butt, your cellulite is your cellulite right now. But your emotional reactivity to those objects doesn't need to be there. Isn't that amazing? So you can beanbag those emotional reactions that you don't like and dissolve them away so that then your butt is just your butt and you don't have to love your butt, but you don't have to hate your butt or not wanna look at it like I felt for all those years earlier. So if you're doing this, what you're saying is that you don't usually feel a lump. You don't have to feel, uh, a Felicity, the beanbag of dislike for your belly in your belly. So if you're looking at your belly and your mind has a judgment about your belly, you may actually, with awareness, realize that the dislike of your belly, the feeling about disliking your belly is not in your belly, it's in your neck. The beanbag might feel like a watermelon in your neck when it comes to the dislike of your belly, or if you look at your kneecaps, I'm just making stuff up. If you look at your kneecaps and you don't like your kneecaps, you might not feel the dislike for your kneecaps or judgment and shame or guilt in your kneecaps. You might feel them in your shoulders and it might be in your upper right shoulder. So definitely don't associate the location of emotional beanbags to the locations of where those things are. Like if you don't like your saggy skin on your neck, you may not have that judgment to the saggy skin on the neck in your neck. It might be in like behind your head. Or if you have something on your face that you don't like, whatever it might be, the beanbag may not be in your lips. It might be feeling it in your belly. So definitely double up your awareness and be more subtly tuned in. If you're not very good at beanbag releasing, this is something we'll do a lot more practice of in Sacred Month for the Self. So you could always just work with an IVFT grad one-on-one to get some training or if you wanna do the whole month with us, you're, you're of course welcome to because you have to grow more awareness to get better at being able to sense those emotions. And then transform and release and transmute. But sometimes the mind's so used to having the emotion, it doesn't even know how to feel it as a separate part of its awareness, to feel like if it's like, I don't know where it is. And it's like actually if you double, 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 double heighten, heighten that awareness. And then you can tune and go, oh my God, it's in my neck. And it feels like saran wrap all around my neck. But it's the mind can often be so used to having these feelings inside of itself that it can't even differentiate that it's the saran wrap feeling around the neck. So that awareness needs to grow uh, with practice and time and releasing other beanbags, I think also is a part of that help as well. Okay, now we have Nicole Rosalind who said, we'd love to hear what's a typical day in the life for you. Wake up, time, meals, movement, friend time, all of it. Well, there's no at all typical day because each season of my life, and they're not even divided by like, weather seasons, it could be the part of the world I've been in, or the season within that part of the world that I've been in. There's kind of like, and even in the week, there's just really no (laughs) typical thing. But I would say lately, I've been having a lot of past lives come in, which have been fascinating, draining, exhausting, (laughs) liberating all of the things. That's all I can say about the past life stuff. Um, Basically, if you're like, what is she talking about? So I years ago would have been completely I don't know, clueless about past lives or whether I even believed in them. And in the last year, especially in the last year, I have probably encountered, I don't know, about 15 of them now. In my own awareness, as your awareness grows to things like beanbags, you can also grow into awareness to other things like past lives. And I was like, okay. So I before was very hesitant to believe in past lives because I wasn't ready to interact with them. But as I was becoming more aware to interact with them, the awareness of them, became more present in my, this frame of reality, or I call it like browser tabs. So each of the past lives are like different browser tabs on the Chrome of my soul. If Chrome is the soul, all these browser tabs, all these parallel lives are, you know, simultaneous lives happening in different tabs that have a sense of a timeline, but could be happening at the same time. And so as my inner voice says, I'm getting thinner and thinner and thinner. What that means is my awareness that I am is getting thinner and thinner. So I'm not so blocky and chunky and, and kind of like trapped into my browser tab only, the thinness of my awareness is, I think of thinness of the awareness when it shows me it is what it's saying. It's kind of like I'm becoming more and more spacious and light and airy, like smoke or like vapor or like a cloud. So becoming thinner and thinner and thinner. Instead of being like a rock, I'm becoming like a cloud. And that kind of thinness from a rock that's not very thin, it's very heavy and dense. I'm becoming very uh, ethereal and light and thin, that thinness of the cloud, you could say, that I, my awareness is becoming in this browser tabs starting to almost is feeling into the tabs around it. Does that make sense? So the awareness that I am is becoming aware of these other tabs that when I was more like a rock in this reality, I wasn't dealing with other lives because I couldn't even feel them. It was They might have been impacting me, but the awareness that I had wasn't enough to actually do anything about what was happening in the other frames. Now, (laughs) that'll be another episode. I'll go into that more when I feel like it's the time to share. But I, for now, in this moment, I have to say as far as like, what's my typical day in the life for me, it depends if there's a past life thing coming in. What'll often happen is that scenes will start to play out in my life here that actually relate to another past life situation in another browser tab. And it's really weird because the situations don't usually make sense completely to my reality here. But in having scenarios that trigger scenarios that feel like the other tabs experience. I start to feel those beanbags the other tab is having, and then I can help them integrate, release, and move on. That's really true. That's really weird to say, and also truly true. And I can totally understand people might think I'm crazy for saying that, but that's truly been my experience. Uh, So those have been quite hectic, depending on the life that I'm integrating and helping. So that's happening. But it depends. Each life has got totally different storylines. So there are different things coming up that would have in my daily life an impact. Um, But as far as like my normal life when past life stuff's not bothering me or coming into this reality, I wake up whenever I wake up. Um, Often, naturally, that tends to be around like 727. I'll probably look at my phone for the first time to see what time it is. And then by around eight, eight, it ate usually. I like the the feeling of waking up and getting out of bed feels nice. Um, I've recently, this summer, been going out with my friend Didi quite a bit. It's been so fun. We've had so much fun. Didi and I are just traveling around the city, going to beautiful bars and restaurants, looking beautiful meeting different people in in just like spontaneous real-time moments I'm not dating in any uh like online app way no way I did no way Jose I did that six years and I feel like I've gotten my fill of online dating but going out with a dear friend and looking beautiful and going to beautiful restaurants and bars is quite fun and we've been meeting quite a few different people through the journey of that too nobody that's you know I'm not dating anyone specific but it's been fun to meet people or organically and in the now moment in that way. So we go out, uh, I I would say like a few days of the week, not too many, but just a few that work out for us to do with our schedules. I also have been doing welling and awarefulness calls on Tuesday nights. So I've been doing those for the last several months. I also love watching fashion YouTube videos. I love doing Pilates twice a week. Reformer Pilates is my favorite workout. I love walking. So I walk often at least usually 10,000 steps, but Often, like over 20,000 to up to 30,000 steps a day. If the weather's nice, I walk over from where I'm staying in Southwest. Yeah, Southwest London, all the way up over to Mayfair, Regent Street, that kind of thing. I love walking through Hyde Park as much as possible. So, whenever possible, I love if I'm going to walk up to Notting Hill, love it because I get to walk through Hyde Park. If I, and even Chelsea, it's not that far from me. So, walking over there is also beautiful to do. So, yeah, those are just lots of walking, um, lots of time with myself, uh, time with Dee Dee, and socializing when we go out, if we end up chatting with people as we do. And, That's kind of my friend time for the most part. I talked to Jess in Detroit, who you guys met on the show still almost every other day or every day, or at least usually every other day. If we go two days without talking, it's really weird. So we talk for a few hours, usually while I'm walking somewhere and she's getting up for her day in the U.S. um, Meals are just, usually I'll have Uber Eats a few nights a week, which is typically poke is my go-to order. I also like ordering sushi and uh, veggie burgers, like uh, usually like once a week, maybe not lately, but in the past when I was a little slower and we were, it's not a summary. I was getting like a veggie burger once a week, which I really enjoy. Um, I read my cat books and (laughs) I don't know. There's a lot of uh, Bella Vita time as well. So going inward too. I love going inward. So fun. Okay, now we have Global Wine Collective He says, hi, Bella, questions for your upcoming podcast. Does Abraham Hicks ever talk about anything like emotional beanbag release? I've only ever heard them talk about not focusing on things that don't feel good. But of course you have listened to them a lot more than I have. Just curious about their take on this and if they don't address it, why do you think that is? And part two, do other modalities also release beanbags like Reiki, RTT, tapping, EFT, etc.? Are they as effective or would you turn to one versus another. Okay. So I would say as far as the Abraham question, do they ever talk about like releasing emotional beanbags? What they do say is that anything that's in your reality right now, that is resisting something, if there's resistance in your reality, which is a beanbag, basically, they do talk about distracting you from it. I find it's a -a whack-a-mole situation. Personally, I'm more of an Eckhart Tolleist, I guess you could say, on the subject of um, turning your awareness into it so that it transmutes that thing back into pure awareness. I'm more about the magic eraser, the magic eraser being the pure awareness transmuting trauma and resistance back to its pure state, which is not traumatic anymore and releasing it from that trapped energy state. So I definitely say they recognize resistance if that makes sense, and I would put emotional beanbags in this category of resistance. And I think that Abraham's amazing for beginners. I think that when you find Abraham in your journey, you're usually like, oh my God, this is the most amazing forward-thinking stuff in the world, and it is for most people at the time that they find it. And it is a whole new avenue into an amazing understanding of this reality in the metaphysical level that is super amazing, effective, and powerful. Like, it's great. And especially for people that are just finding it, it's going to be life-changingly different than how they've been taught from muggles in the past, if that makes sense. So like, it's going to be amazing and wonderful, but they always say too, and I, I appreciate, I've listened to so many thousands of hours to them. I haven't listened in the last, um, since the New Zealand cruise with them, but I've thousands of hours were locked before that point in my life for sure. So I feel like I do, unless they've evolved their conversation further, which of course they do do over time, I'll say They talk about resistance, and they also talk about don't go chasing past lives, for example, like I previously just mentioned, to figure out what happened when and go, you know, they say it's distracting. Well, it is distracting for normal people that are not very thin and very aware yet to go like chasing the past, or their version of it is like, don't go digging a hole and to dig yourself out of that hole and have to climb out. Now, when they talk about resistance presenting in the now moment, they do talk about going beyond it, right? I find instead of distracting yourself from the beanbag, healing the beanbag is really helpful because then you're immediately without resistance. So the people that they're working with don't usually, they don't talk about releasing the resistance, transmuting it back to pure awareness and then moving forward. They don't talk about that. Eckhart does. I do. They're not bringing that up, but they are saying to get out of the resistance. I just say, instead of distracting yourself from the bullet hole in your arm let's heal the bullet hole in your arm let's stitch it up and let's get that body healed so that you don't have to just distract yourself from the pain of the bullet in your shoulder by thinking of something more pleasant i'd actually say let's actually do surgery on that arm and <laughs> let's like stitch it up and actually have it healed so that in the future when situations touch that arm you're not going to be back into the resistance mode because someone touched the bullet hole wound in your arm Eckhart's more like this as well. Um, they always say also that they're not the only teachers or the most forward teachers only. Does this make sense? So they're the right people for the right entities for the right souls at the right time, but they are not the end all be all. And they are not the only and the most advanced that there is. They are just a part of it. I always think of them as the mechanics of the universe. Everything they're saying is completely vibrationally accurate. However, when it comes to more awareness within an individual beyond just like, what's my emotion? And is it high? And is it low? And how do I cultivate appreciation? And how do I you know, find alignment? And how do I learn to be selfish again and not feel bad about that? Once you get those basic human misunderstandings corrected, then your awareness is growing. And then you're like, okay, well, this resistance stuff that they talk about constantly keeps happening. How do I just stop having so much resistance? oh transmute it back to pure awareness that's beanbag releasing or like you mentioned uh other things can help with that too but for me the beanbag releasing obviously is my preference it's what my soul gave me to give to the world so it's not something i learned from anybody particularly i learned it within myself and now i teach it as i experienced it from my inner voice to me so there are other things like reiki rtt tapping and eft which are great i don't use those personally because i think rtt though is obviously the one i have the most um say a special spot in my heart for i love hypnosis and using it in powerful positive ways to help people especially beginner people that may not be ready or able to do beanbag releasing very directly um within themselves very easily. So I think that for like someone just starting out a more beginner person, hypnotherapy is amazing. The more advanced you become, the less you need something like hypnosis in order to do this. You can do this with your pure awareness. The more bright your pure awareness is, the more you're capable. It's like your RTT, tapping, EFT. Okay, the things that are done by somebody else. So a facilitator, right? Even IVFT, we have facilitators, but I call them facilitators very purposely because I wanted people to recognize that the the transmutations happening within you, the facilitators just helping with literally what it means to facilitate is to help it be easier, but you're still doing it. And obviously the hypnosis, there's a practitioner that the therapist, but the person that's in the therapy is the one that's got to do it, but it's harder to do RTT on yourself, for example, unless you're an RTT therapist. (laughs) So I love those modalities that have extra help, for the beginning, but even IVFT is designed to just teach you those tricks so that you can go fishing on your own. The idea is that you don't always have to have your IVFT you know, facilitator with you as you're going into your inner voice or releasing your emotions. So we're teaching you, we're making it easier to start. But after that, the idea is you do it directly, authentically, spontaneously on your own in the now moment. To me, that's like walking versus having a pram or a stroller. So instead of someone pushing you, which is like when you're really little and you need to go from point A to point B, having a stroller is a really helpful thing. And it's effective. But as you grow up, as little kids get older, they don't wanna be in the stroller anymore. They wanna walk like the big kids do. And so that walking, just like the therapist doing the therapy, you know, is like gr- when you're growing into this spiritual awareness and this emotional understanding, you can actually do it directly. And like I said, now, these, uh, as far as Abraham going back to the past life thing, they say, don't go chasing around. I'm not going chasing around and looking for anything. They're coming to me and coming into my awareness. And so my inner voice is showing me that it's wanting me to help them. So it's not something I'm going back to the past to go find. I'm trying to live my now moment very peacefully. <laughs> and as I do so, there is the process unfolding within me from my inner voice. Voice that wants to help resolve those other tabs that are in trauma. It's fascinating. I didn't expect it. I wasn't looking for it, (laughs) but here I am doing what my inner voice is guiding me in this phase of life to do. I hope that it's not as heavily influencing my life in the future as it is or has been in the last year. But that said, I'm just going with the flow of my inner voice and trusting that I'm in the right place at the right time. And it says it won't always feel this intense. So I'm like, great. That's Helpful. Hopefully, it's over <laughs> sooner than later, from my mind's point of view. But you know, it is what it is. So um, they, I'm not going back to the past to find something. But I have to say, when these things are resolved, there are some fascinating transmutations happening within my own energy and understanding of things. And also, I've been finding it a hyper helpful tool for the clients I've been working with in welling and awareness, especially amazed how many times people's long standing patterns in their life when we go into their inner voice if they're a more advanced ivft person have past life things that get resolved and then the trauma is released and it's just gone It's amazing, super, super good. And as far as the modalities that also release beanbags, are they effective? Yes, they can be very effective, but I find that I always prefer the ones like tapping. I don't know EFT well enough to know if it also does this, but I always prefer any modality that gives you the tool to do it on demand and at your own discretion within yourself. So anything that helps you release your trauma and lets go of those old patterns, ultimately within yourself, on demand because you choose it, anything that helps you do that, I'm like pro for, because really it's just emotional hygiene. If it does help you wash your own body in the shower and you don't need a nurse to sponge bath you, basically you don't need a therapist on the outside to be the way that this happens for you, those types of tools that naturally use your awareness and your breath and your body in a sober state, that's my favorite stuff. That's the stuff that helps you keep um, staying clear now and every point going forward into your future and really helping you do your natural design thing which is to be awareness and to transmute your emotions with your awareness. So yes, but I do recognize, as I said, anything with the therapist is great for those who are beginners, especially, or when there's super, super, super deep traumas, that they haven't really found their way through that can be a really great starting point, but it's not that everyone stays with, you know, an RTT therapist the rest of their life because they can't release their own emotions on their own. Okay. So now we have, Oh, we have Madison who says I had a story about my Lisbon cute tour since I'm going on tomorrow for the weekend. I've shared it. She goes, Lisbon was such a special place in my heart after visiting last year and doing lots of the cute tour. I dream of a Mila cafe and comports often. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Anyways, let's move into the next question. And we have Emily Gifford, random question. I'm curious if you have a house cleaner or do you choose to do your own cleaning? Interesting question. I have a house cleaner for the place that I'm in in London. This is actually part of the agreement to staying in the flat is to work with a house cleaner once a week. So in Detroit, when I owned my own property, I had someone clean every other week. But in this property, the agreement is that she comes weekly. So I wouldn't necessarily have someone come weekly, although it is quite nice. Now, I've never had a weekly clean until actually in Australia, too. The the Airbnb I was staying in had a cleaner come once a week. Also, it's very nice. It's wonderful, actually. But in Detroit and in Michigan, when I was younger, it was usually every other week is what I had. Now we have an anonymous question who said, thoughts on why humans feel envy and how to flow with it. Okay, so, Anonymous is asking, thoughts on why we feel envy? I think we see other people living potentials we'd like to live. So if someone tells you, it's almost like someone's telling you about this really, really cool dream. They they had a magic rocket ship and the the star celebrity that they have a huge crush on is driving the rocket ship and super amazing things happen And then their favorite type of dog shows up. You know, we get kind of excited. We're like, wow, I'd love to have that dream. Sounds amazing. And maybe you tweak a few things about it, but you're like, otherwise, that's like a really cool dream and separation to have. I think envy is that here in this reality, that there's certain people that are holding frequencies that we admire and we may not be holding in ourselves. So we're blocking those potentials for showing up to us and our reality. And so we might wish that we had it. I think that's all. It's wishing that we had a different vibrational state that someone else is carrying strongly enough to actually see it manifest in the 3D world Um, and how to flow with it. I would look at those things and recognize, am I feeling unworthy, uncapable, or unable to have those kinds of experiences myself? Do I feel like I can't have what they have? And if there are any feelings of I can't have what they have that I like so much, I would go in and release those beanbags and feelings on top of yourself that make you feel bad, unworthy, or disappointed that you can't have what they have. I would really go in and look there because those feelings are what is also part of the envy is feeling it's not so bad to see someone having a great dream except for the feeling that you think you can't have that vibrational state of being in yourself as well. And that can't feeling, that limiting belief feeling is something you can release. So I would release all the beanbags that you feel when it comes to the imagining of you having that reality, or if not feeling it might be possible to do so, then going in and releasing those. Because ultimately there are no ultimate limitations in this reality for any point of consciousness. But that said, There are so many vibrational experiences within this browser tab and potentially other browser tabs and also the soul and what it wants to have that are different, right? So my inner voice obviously had a different vision of what it wanted to create through this human life than what my mind wanted to have for oh so many years on the show. You've heard me talk about the difference in that. Now I've become much more in alignment to it, but that was a lot of beanbags releasing later and a lot of clarity from my inner voice later too. So even if I might've wanted to have a family and a partner at other points and other places in the world, and now I don't have that, That could be something I was envious about. Now I don't actually have envy for it. Now I actually see the gift and the beauty and what I do have as equal and even better for me, at least in the now moment, than any of those previous realities that I wanted to have before. So now I know I'm even in a better place than I would have been if I got what I wanted in the first place. So what I previously was envious to, and I resented my inner voice for not giving me at the time that I wanted it, I now look back and I say, thank you. So that is fascinating as well. So through the beanbags and through the inner voice clarity on the other side, there is a potential to say thank you and also manifest some of the things you felt like you might not be able to have or you previously envied. So again, it kind of comes back to inner voice and beanbag release. So helpful, both of these things. All right. Thank you guys so much. Oh, this is cute. Last but not least, we have Healing and Manifestation who says, this was such a beautiful experience, the visualization. Thank you so much. That visualization she's speaking about is in the episode right before this one. So if you wanna go check it out, there's, I think it's about 13 minutes into the episode, I do this music-led guided meditation of your own Bella Vita. So if that sounds fun for you, by all means, you can go and check that out. Thank you as always for your questions. I hope this was helpful for those who asked the questions and those listening. I love doing these q for you so, so, so much. I hope you have an amazing day. And until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today.